Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. This week, people's choice. Yeah, the people chose, I guess, post-apocalyptic action drama. Cool. Yeah. So we're rebooting Jericho from 2006, if anybody remembers that. Not Jericho from 1966, and not the My Little Pony fanfic, and not the wrestler, and not Clive Barker. (laughs) (laughs) Or the DC character. It's a common name. Yeah. I mean, once it gets mentioned in the Bible, somebody's gotta use it. Yeah. And, oh yeah, Jericho is apparently the oldest continuously settled place in the world, maybe? Hmm. So, cool thing to be... To be, yeah. So anyway, Jericho, this is this might be a short, oh, what if we did this, but in this format. Anyway, uh, the series came out in 2006. Uh, it was created by uh, Jonathan E. Steinberg, Josh Scheer, and Stephen Jaboski of uh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower fame. Huh. <laughs> yeah. He was a TV writer, as well as being a writer-writer. I guess that's probably why Perks was actually a pretty good adaptation, in my opinion. Um, anyway, it aired from uh, September 20th, 2006 to uh, March 25th, 2008 on CBS. And it was one of many shows on the CBS during this time that got canceled after its first full season. And it was saved because this is also the era of the fan campaign to save your favorite series. Yeah, so apparently uh, there was a lot of letters written in, and uh, because of a line said near the end of the first season, a lot of the fans sent in peanuts and just canned nuts to the studio. Yeah, so they got a second season and then wasn't picked up for a third season, but a third and fourth season were adapted by IDW Publishing in comic book form. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So the writers there at least got to complete the story that they wanted to tell in comic book form. Uh, Anyway, uh, the general premise, as I said, this is post-apocalyptic. Basically, there's a small town in Kansas called Jericho, and a dude by the name of Jake Green is traveling back home for various reasons, and all of a sudden he's on the Amtrak and he sees a mushroom cloud coming from the general direction of Denver. And it's later found out that, oh, shit, 23 cities across the United States have been taken out with nuclear weapons. So for the most part of the first season, the general focus is just this town is trying to survive. I guess the nukes weren't that powerful because you don't see that much devastation. But like on the TV tropes page, they kind of break down artistic license, and there's a bit. There was a bit of a debate going on over how much damage twenty kiloton dirty bombs detonated at surface level would have actually done. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is kind of going to factor with what I want to do. But as the series progressed, we get more into kind of like successor states to the U.S. And trying to deal with like these little groups setting themselves up and getting into conflicts with their neighbors and would be, you know, like the 
Allied States of America, etc., etc. Okay. And, yeah, just trying to survive. Because, of course, America breaks up. And that's actually a fairly reasonable consequence to this sort of thing. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, what I have in mind is that we turn this from a TV show into a podcast series. Oh, I like that. Yeah. A little more intimate, a little more focused. And we don't have the whole budgetary issues of just people standing around on one set all the time oh no was that something that happened in the show a little bit (laughs) i think they were actually filming out in kansas or colorado because there's a lot of we also don't have to think too much about representing accurate geography because people did point out okay if jericho is in this location then they shouldn't be able to see any mushroom cloud from denver because that was kind of like a big like poster was this kid standing on the roof and he could see the mushroom cloud coming up from like just beyond a bunch of mountains that are supposed to be the Rockies, but like Denver is before the Rockies. It's kind of like a Calgary situation. Okay. Yeah, just nitpicks like that. We can be like, just pretend. Just <laughs> pretend. <laughs> it's an audio format. You, It's all in the realm of imagination. <laughs> um. But yeah, the general premise is probably going to be the same. It's just, I don't want to set it in the 2000s. I think it might be, or, okay. I had a thought about setting it, say, vaguely 2030s, but how do you feel about that? Yeah, sure. 20 minutes into the future sounds reasonable for this. Okay. Because one of my ideas is like, like, I don't know what's going on within various U.S. government departments since the January 6th attack on the capitol building but i got to imagine there was a lot of people standing around looking at their co-workers going like which one of you would think that my loyalty to trump is insufficient oh yeah yeah so this is kind of a point i want to get to when it comes to there's basically like two main characters there's jake green and there's this other guy hawkins jake green was played by skeet ulrich right yeah uh, we're gonna make uh, Jake Jamie and Femme in some capacity. Yay! <laughs> um, <laughs> and Hawkins, I'm fine keeping Hawkins a dude, but like we could turn Rob- Robert Hawkins into Robin Hawkins if we want. Okay. Yeah, but basically, like the setup of Jamie has been away from Jericho for let's say 10 years. Um, and has come back for one reason or another, um, mostly to reconcile with, uh, her, with her dad, because there was a bit of a blowout at, uh, grandpa's funeral. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's just like a normal thing where it's like, you know what? Dad's not getting any younger. I should probably, you know, at least try to reconcile with him. And then, oh no, it's the end of the United States. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well shit and i left this town for some really good reasons (laughs) um in the series jake fell in with a bad crowd of quasi-militia people survivalist types and yeah water got too hot left um and is now coming back i'm thinking with jamie that okay for her I don't want to get... This is the start of Pride Month that we're <laughs> recording this. 
and I don't want to get too much into the gay pain, but like probably growing up in small town Kansas as the resident lesbian wasn't fun. Yeah, and like hey, we as a community go through a lot. We're not going to say yeah. on, only chipper stories here. Sometimes there's issues and sometimes we got to deal with them regardless of whether the United States is falling apart or not. Yes. So I was thinking that, you know, Jamie, when she was like, I don't know, a senior in high school, got caught making out with... Um, so Jake's got... Jake finds himself in a love triangle with... Um, need to find the characters here this is one of the weaker aspects of what i remember of the tv show i i didn't watch it when it aired because i was like 14 at the time and not very interested um i really? did however, you were watching like war documentaries at age eight that for whatever reason jericho didn't catch my attention and like maybe it was one of those times when dad was like we're only gonna have farm cable okay fair enough <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> only had You're farm cable, so you can't it. watch the show about the town that only has farm cable. Oh, if that. The EMPs are probably going to take out all of the electronics. That was one thing I was actually kind of surprised by, is that like they still had access to cars. Even though, like, even in 2006, like, they weren't as heavily computerized as vehicles are now, but they still had, like, a lot of computerized stuff in there. That would have been just completely taken out by the EMPs. Like even if Jericho wasn't that badly irradiated, like you still have all of all of this electromagnetic shit going everywhere. Yeah, you're basically relying on anything from prior. Oh, I want to say nineteen nineteen eighty by that point. So anyway, Jake in the original TV series had this love triangle with two teachers in town named Emily Sullivan and Heather Lazinski. Okay. I'm just gonna smush these two women together into Emily Sullivan because Emily has the most history with Jake to begin with. Jake was involved with her not very good dad and brother. Like it says, uh, she and Jake were once engaged but had a falling out due to Jake's involvement with her father uh, Mitch Cafferty and her brother uh, Chris Sullivan in a botched armed robbery that resulted in Chris's death. So I'm like, okay, maybe instead of that, maybe we'll have Chris still kicking around. But Chris was the one who figured out that Jamie was uh, not straight and into the little sister. Ah. Uh. Yeah, and kind of chased Jamie out of town. And then I do kind of I am interested in a bit of a love triangle because there's this one character named Bonnie Richmond. She was a deaf character. Her older brother is a farmer who was also friends with Jake. And she's kind of like this companion character and someone that people can talk to and all that. But like, I'm, I'm like, get a deaf actress to play her. I, I don't know if the original actress was deaf, but like, okay, I know that this is a podcast setting, but it would be interesting to have a deaf character yeah and you could easily still have a deaf character even if it's a podcast because if you just have someone who's able to speak verbally like there's a lot of deaf people who can still speak verbally because their hearing loss was later in life and so they still have like the muscle memory the i was i was checking the actress who played her in the show she still yeah. speaks verbally instead of solely using sign language okay so we could easily have someone who is deaf in the role even if it was an audio drama 
I just feel like that would be a more interesting character to, you know, explore. People with disabilities still have to survive the apocalypse somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm thinking with Jake's, with Jamie's backstory is that, like, she's a farm kid. Maybe she grew up barrel racing. Yes, cowboy lesbian, cowgirl lesbian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fell in love with Emily Sullivan and maybe Emily... I had some, you know, reciprocating feelings, and Chris comes in and ruins everything. So, Jamie leaves town. Uh, and I was thinking maybe she becomes a ranch hand for a time in, say, Colorado, Wyoming, down in Utah, wherever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she gets a lot of really good skills that are going to help out during the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> like... I don't know, living out in the woods, living out in the indoors, being able to do all this first aid stuff, um, knowing a, a thing or two about plants and all that sort of stuff. And uh, so I was reading up about a thing. Cattle wrestling is apparently making a comeback. Oh, good for them. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, like, back in 2019, a dozen calves were stolen from this one farm in Saskatchewan, and like they're saying, like these calves are worth like thirty grand. It's like, oh, there's a lot of money there. So, I'm thinking combining that, combining that with like, say, dealing with some militia types who kind of don't, and sovereign citizen types who don't really recognize property rights and all that. And it's like, also these cows are ours now. It's like maybe Jamie learned how to fight too. Yeah. A little. <laughs> she was living the Yellowstone life for a bit. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Also, part of the reason why she had the falling out with dad is like the other reason why Chris ruined everything was uh, he told her dad. And grandpa was there too. And it's just like a thing about the inheritance when grandpa died. And now money means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. She comes back, and she's maybe an unlikely leader. I was talking about this whole idea with my dad recently, and one of the things, because I had also like watched a video about the series and how it was created, was like the two things that the creators kind of drew on was like nine eleven and Katrina. I th- they, I think they were working from like the the at the moment pop culture understanding of what had happened in Katrina, like after the hurricane had uh, dissipated. Yeah, it was more is, about the people coming together to survive. Yeah, well, everybody, well, a lot, a lot of the news stations were like, especially like outside New Orleans, were like, "Oh, look at all these people uh, raiding and looting from stores and doing all this awful shit." And it's like the violence didn't happen until people from outside New Orleans came in to try and help. Yeah, that is the other major thing. Yeah, so like the thing that a lot of people who've studied communities who are going through uh, disasters have found is that most communities are going to band together. And there's a lot of self-organizing, like, people work together. We're Remember, humans are social animals. <laughs> First and foremost, that's how we survive to becoming the apex predator we are. The problems seem to stem when you have, like, outside people trying to impose a certain order on a community, even though, like, it's not working. 
So yeah, I think like the first season of this podcast would be like Jamie trying to find a place for herself and maybe because of her certain set of skills, especially when outside forces come a knocking because they get into conflicts with this town called New Bren and a couple of other organizations like she kind of takes over that natural leadership role in not in like a, you have to listen to me but more in like the anarchist sense of I have these skills and I want to share it with people I want to teach people how to do this that and this other thing so that we can all do this together yeah and then the other character is uh Hawkins and again I'm pretty okay with either keeping Rob male or uh flipping the gender on Hawkins because the big thing is that in the original show Hawkins was part of the conspiracy to blow up all these cities um in the show and this is another major change I'm making it was apparently a coalition of uh, right-wing fundamentalist types, uh, anti-government types, and specifically anarchists who banded together to do this attack. And I'm like, anarchists aren't going to be involved in this shit. Yeah. Like, if anything, this is like the the fascists in America kind of got organized. The, the militia movement finally they managed to do it. And that's how you know this is real science fiction, because they'd never get that organized. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they had help from somewhere else. And this is where I bring in my version of Hawkins, where they're, I'm thinking they worked for some sort of government law enforcement agency and found out about the, like, was listening to the chatter, was found out about these attacks and tried to warn people, tried to get the news out, being a whistleblower. Of course it doesn't go well for them uh it's a mixture of nobody listening to people harassing them and trying to straight up murder them to keep to keep quiet about it and they manage to survive get their family and it's like fuck this we're going somewhere safe and they wind up in jericho so i think a part a, a massive part is hawkins has massive guilt about leaving friends and family behind and you know not being able to warn everybody else in america hey this attack is coming we have to stop it being able to it's massive amounts of survivor's guilt but also coming in with this knowledge of knowing who these people are knowing who is behind these attacks and helping to figure out like who do we ally ourselves with in this new situation and who we have to watch out for so I guess more of the strategic planning stuff mm -hmm. as a way to at least help this little town survive. And from there, it's basically season one is mostly just, okay, how do we just get through this and getting into conflicts with New Bren? And I'm thinking with New Bren, their whole thing and why like they're gunning for Jericho is maybe like a mixture of they got hit with the radiation a bit worse mm -hmm. and maybe they fell for a bit of demagoguery. <laughs> I can see that happening in a couple places. Just one guy kind of took over. And then as for what's happened to the United States and how how the crumbles have happened, like there's the Allied States of America. I almost feel like that's the more proper 
successor to the old United States. Wikipedia also has a map of all the cities that were confirmed to have been destroyed. Apparently, the U.S. government set up its new capital in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm like, there's still a couple cities that got hit by this whole attack. You know, Tennessee looks like a safer place, if you ask me. There ain't nothing there that got hit. So yeah, I'm thinking like they're operating out of Tennessee. The South has probably seceded. I think, yeah, in-universe, uh, Texas has declared itself a republic. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they took Oklahoma with them. I'm thinking California, what's left of California, would have also declared... Yeah, the West Coast is probably trying to figure things out. As for, like, how the world responds, like, I'm thinking Canada takes over. <laughs> it's like, we're grabbing Alaska, we're grabbing Maine, we're, we're grabbing Washington. <laughs> trying to hold those down. That that seemed, and, and probably the Great Lakes, too. Man, I didn't really think much past this other than, hey, wouldn't it be cool? Tanner, do you have any post-apocalyptic ideas? Um, not really. And he here's the thing is that a lot of the things I was thinking of, I was just missing because like, wait, we kind of did that in the uh, uh, sending people to the past one. Yeah. Which isn't quite, it's not post-apocalyptic, but it's the same idea of, oh, this community better band together if they have any hope. Yeah. I guess it's just mostly, like, trying to survive. Did you- I have a question. Did you know that they had managed to finish the series off in a comic book adaptation before you started this? Yeah, yeah, I knew. Okay. Because then I was yeah. gonna be like, oh no, Lindsay found out at the last minute that the comic took all of her good ideas. Well, they went in a- in a different direction than what I was thinking. Yeah, it's mostly focused on the actual Civil War part. I'm more interested, I'm thinking about, like, I don't want to steal too many ideas from one of my favorite podcasts slash audiobooks, um, After the Revolution by Robert Evans, but, like, I'm more interested in maybe the smaller level conflicts than trying to take on, say, the Allied States of America. Yeah. I mean, it can definitely be a thing that, like, at a certain point, the townsfolk realize that it is more important to keep each other alive and stabilize this area than it is to, like, worry themselves about whatever is going on with the American government. Because America is, okay, it's not physically, geographically a huge country, but it is such a huge thing to begin with mm -hmm. that if anything like this did happen, oh yeah, did everyone would definitely be all states for themselves and maybe even smaller. Because yeah. you have to figure that first before you can even think of bringing some kind of United States back. Yeah. Like, this is also where the whole debate over, like, how big were these bombs and, like, how quickly could the U.S. have recovered does come in. But I'm thinking size-wise, probably enough to, yeah, take out a city, let's say Hiroshima size. And there is issues with radiation and all that because of the prevailing winds and all that. So I think the immediate issue especially in the first season, is we have to be able to live another day. Mm -hmm. That's all we're going to focus on right now. The problem probably comes... Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there was, like, a mini nuclear winter. Like, the temperatures that winter were particularly bad, especially if it happened late enough in the year. So the next problem is how do we feed ourselves? Yeah. 
also when you were bringing up like the size of America, like, yeah, not the biggest country in the world, but still big. And like so many people have left the prairies. Like you can see it here in Canada too. Um, Dad talks about how in the seventies, like there was just a, all of a sudden so many people left. Like you could be in like one of the longer buses, just full of kids going to school. And then the next year you were down to the short bus with maybe a dozen kids. And that trend has it slowed down because so many people left the prairies in the 70s. Uh, there was also like a massive drought at the time. Um, but I'm thinking by the 2030s, like the land is emptied out even further. So Jericho is really isolated, which is how we can just like focus on small town trying to survive, trying to make contact with other survivors, uh, dealing with maybe a couple refugees every once in a while like how do we prioritize uh who gets what supplies and how we how we help them um how we this is a bit of going back to the 1632 series where it's like our medical system is probably very tight like we don't have enough stuff for everybody yeah and they also aren't necessarily going to have the skills or anything. They're unlike 1632. They probably don't have access to a university library where yeah. we could even pretend that they can quickly learn how to do some yeah. quick and dirty surgery. This is like put pressure on it, put a cloth on it. Hope they don't die of sepsis overnight. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of relearning old old skills and just having to face the fact that you don't want to get a cut anymore because we just do not have an antibiotics yeah so yeah i think the second season is when we start dealing with just like this low level like the conflict is with new Bern, and maybe new Bern got worse off from the apocalypse maybe they're doing okay but for whatever reason they are the rivals to jericho or they're they're getting into a conflict with jericho and like the thing that Jamie and Hawkins do not want to happen is this conflict because it's so fucking counterintuitive. Like, if anything, we should be trying to work together. The big thing is that we are stronger together. We're stronger united. And then, like, I could see this going for four or five seasons. Okay. And it's more just, like, expanding... Like, as um, people adapt to the new situation, like, that's where we can figure out, like, first is the mystery. Well, actually, it wouldn't be that much of a mystery. It's more, like, trying to figure out, like, how this alliance that pulled off this massive terrorist attack fractures into the new, like, wannabe states. And then also, like, how the world reacts, because all of a sudden there's this massive America-shaped vacuum. Yeah. Like, is there conflict with, first of all, Canada and Mexico? Like, I would not be surprised to see at least some sort of Canadian flags waving around, being like, hey, what are y'all doing? I think with Canada and Mexico, they would probably attempt some a more humanitarian approach to it. Yeah. Just to keep keep good optics going on. But there would definitely be factions that are like, well, if no one's using this land anymore because they all got wiped out from whatever happened, let's let's just sneak in here and take this. Yeah. Like, you, you mentioned Canada's going to seize Alaska. I don't think they could do that without a show of force because the Alaskans mm-hmm. are really like, 
Nah, because we're the real America's left. And it's like, do you have a navy? <laughs> I mean, Canada doesn't have much of a navy, but like... It's a guy in a canoe with a musket. <laughs> and that guy... <laughs> God, it's my father. <laughs> is your dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, there's that. There, There's also, like, going to be a refugee situation in, like, if the world figures out who pulled this off like immediately like i could see conflict over like which refugees they let in because like let's say this this is probably something to do with the christian fundamentalists down in the u.s like all of a sudden there's going to be a lot of discrimination against people with visible crosses or at least a lot of suspicion towards them anyway there's i think probably with canada there would be yeah definitely more of a humanitarian effort i think with mexico I, I don't know what's going on with Mexican politics right now, so I can't really speak to that. And that would be its a great opportunity for someone who is not me to uh, write that potential storyline if it ever crops up. Probably not. I'm thinking more, like, again, just Kansas focused. Yeah. And yeah, as for, like, our main characters, Jamie and Hawkins, I think Unlikely Alliance like maybe Hawkins is nah, I don't want to turn this into a love square. It's more of just like maybe a friendship, maybe a mentorship thing. Yeah. Yeah. Friendship mentorship thing. I was thinking with some of Jake has an older brother and he kind of takes over as mayor. And I'm thinking about keeping that character and like in the original series Chris had died i'm thinking maybe he he wound up becoming the sheriff after high school or becoming a local cop after high school and then wound up sheriff and there's just still this whole conflict with jamie because it's both like oh jamie's a lesbian who tried to seduce my sister my sister's still in love with with this person but also like jamie's you know getting hard eyes for bonnie that sort of interpersonal drama but it also affects like how Chris and uh, Eric. So if Eric is the mayor and Chris is the now impromptu sheriff and there's this Jamie-shaped problem between them, I think that would be an interesting situation of trying to, like, again, like, have the community work together. Like, basically become an anarcho- an anarchist commune. Because that is the best way we can survive right now. Yeah. <laughs> but you have these two dudes who just cannot work together. It's very Stephen King-esque in that way. Yeah. And then I was thinking just like how do how do we adapt technology? Because like if we're talking about like 20 minutes into the future with all the computers and the EMPs from the nukes probably took out all those computers, including and stuff like tractors and combines. Because heaven forbid farmers can fix their own shit, apparently. <laughs> oh, boy. We're probably gonna have to have some sort of goofus in town who can, like, fix up these vehicles. Or, like, there's probably a junkyard. Oh, fuck. There, there probably is a junkyard where they could find old, old, uh, older vehicles that they could use. Yeah. They're gonna have to fix them up, but, like, Again, it's adapting this stuff to be usable. And then the next question is, like, how do we use, what fuel do we use? 
Well, we grow a lot of sunflower and soybeans around here. Maybe we can make a biofuel. Yeah, that's something. Yeah. In fact, you know what? The I'm I think like the first like probably a lot of the episodes, especially in the first season, are going to be the problem of the day sort of thing. Like, how do we make our own painkillers? How do we make our own biofuels? How do we get enough iodine to, you know, keep everybody somewhat healthy and fight radiation poisoning? Yeah. Yeah, that sort of stuff. And probably each episode... How long were the episodes of Limetown? Like... Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Probably about an hour, though. Maybe shorter. Okay, maybe that's a bit too long, but maybe more like... Maybe more like Wolf 359, because I think those started off on the shorter side. Yeah, they started off pretty short, and then they got longer when the plot became bigger. Yeah. So, let's say 15-minute episodes once a week, and then as the plot expands, that's when, like, the... The episodes start getting longer. Oh, Lime Time was only about half an hour. Oh, okay. That's still a pretty good amount of time for a narrative podcast, yeah. in my opinion. And especially one like this, where it's like part of it is also just kind of slowly unraveling what's going on and putting pieces together. Yeah. So how do we get Zach Valenti on this cast? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if someone's trying to use a radio to hail other towns, he could be the voice from another town. Yeah. Because probably one of the first things that they want to establish is, like, can we communicate with other people? And... <laughs> Fuck. Another one where I didn't really think... I had all this time! I you had asked time me. to think you about it. You asked me, so, like, Tanner, you have, to, you have to make sure that we have other people on, have to do other things before we can do this episode, so I can re do the research and plan things out and fill out a notebook. Okay, it wasn't that much, but still. <laughs> Look, I was fine with you putting this other stuff there, and... Also, I did spend a week moving my brother's shit from one town to another. Yeah, that was the real reason you need extra time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was no way I was going to be able to do this shit while also, like, moving the fucking, the old blue couch. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry for calling you out on your own podcast. Didn't have time to write this fanfiction because you're writing a chapter for your other fanfiction. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. We start with 15-minute episodes, and we'll probably move up to, like, I don't know, season finales could be up to 30 minutes, maybe an hour? Oh, something we could do is, like, each episode is bookended by the radio calls out, and, like, if anyone can hear this, here's the situation in Jericho so far. Yeah. And then, or even Zach Fellington could even be that character, an original character who, like, their only job is, like, getting the word out and then we'll have the intro and then we fade in we see what like is actually happening and then as we fade out it's like what this radio operator understands because you know he's not going to know all the ins and outs of the love triangle and why would he be broadcasting that to everyone what if he did though what if the radio <laughs> operator intentionally starts broadcasting the soap opera <laughs> because lesbian soap opera <laughs> <laughs> You got the rugged cowgirl, and the school marm, and the cute deaf girl. Oh, uh, there was an initial tie-in idea that would have webisodes. Remember webisodes? Oh, yes. <laughs> webisodes dealing with other survivors of the other attacks that would dovetail into the main series as the season progressed. The idea was abandoned after the second episode, and they were replaced with prequel webisodes detailing the events before the attack. But that could easily be, like, between seasons bonus content, and that's how we get all the other, like, 
famous podcast voices to cameo. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there was also this one kid I think our Jamie could adopt. His unfortunately his um his mom was one of the people caught up in the nuclear bomb attacks. And now he's got no parents, so I'm thinking someone needs a lesbian mom. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, learn the ways of um being a cowboy. Of being a lesbian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, we have to play at least ten seconds of Mazzy Star <laughs> singing Fade Into You. <laughs> and I-, I don't know, have Orville Peck do the do the song for the series. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. Yay. Alright, in that case. I'm gonna lasso us a friendship promo. <laughs> yeah! We are B. Jordan and Brian, and we're the hosts of a new podcast, Afterbite. It's a podcast, and it's a kind of like a Vampire Diaries fan cast. It's only 10 years too late. We waited till the perfect time to talk about the Vampire Diaries, and we decided it was now. I would like to uh, say that it's not 10 years too late, it's 10 years right on time. Yep. Okay. We're just a couple months too late. The way this podcast works is we're going to watch every single episode of The Vampire Diaries, The Originals, and Legacies in order, talk about them, and rank them so you don't have to, basically. We're doing all the heavy lifting for you. Yeah, you're welcome because I don't heavy lift anything. We're going to be Vampire Diaries in it up, and I love Vampire Diaries. B hates Mm -hmm. it. Jordan has never- I don't love it. Well, she doesn't love it. Okay, well, that's fair. Jordan has never seen it. So it's going to be, as the kids say, lit. Do kids still say that? I don't know. No one says that anymore. Oh, they don't? That's sad. You know what, Brian? You and me can bring it back. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dab on them haters. This podcast is for fans of The Vampire Diaries or people who are really intimidated by the amount of episodes in TVD. We're making it manageable for you. Yeah, this is basically if you only watch Legacies and don't understand anything. That's me. I'm, I'm that person, and we're going to experience this together. All right, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? Um, I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. It's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they're pronounced nuts. You can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite way a show was saved by the fans. And that's also where you can send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or a proof first read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or your YouTube or even your DeviantArt. Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. As always, our cover art is by Alex, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is by Sean Clake, whose contact info is available upon request. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sotol, and Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. So, so Tanner, Lindsay. Yes. Do you want a hint? Yes. <laughs> okay. Next week, we will be analyzing the intersection of the fall of public transportation in a capitalist society and the socioeconomic hierarchies which might lead one to oppose such social systems in the first place via the anthropomorphization of aesthetically pleasing rodents in order to convey the message to a younger audience. 
<laughs> also, there's a big hat. Is this Roger Rabbit? It is not Roger Rabbit. <laughs> so anyway. Anyway, we'll wind that clock next time, but not if we reboot you first. Bye. <laughs>